begin with some invocation prayers because invocation prayers are very important they actually set the mood for us to understand this wonderful knowledge of the bhagavad gita it also uh, are actually direct prayers to the supreme personality of god it we are actually going to seek the blessings of the supreme lord we are going to seek the blessings of the spiritual master and all the different vaishnavas so i am going to share the pranam mantras on the screen and you can all try to repeat them line after line so that way it will be very easy and uh, all of us can get into the mood of learning bhagavad gita so i have although i have muted all of you you can still listen to this uh, shlokas and repeat in your own places and uh, that way there will be no uh, cross interactions and the disturbance due to noise so please repeat after me line after line namo vishnu padaya krishna preshtaya bhutale श्रीमते भक्ति नमस्ते सारस्वते देवे गौरवाणी प्रचारिणे निर्विशेषा शून्यवादी पाश्चातिणे जय श्री कृष्ण चैतन्य प्रभु निनंद श्रीअद्वैत गाधरा नमो महावदन्या कृष्ण प्रेमा प्रदायते कृष्णाय कृष्ण चैतन्य वाचाकुभ्य 
कृपा सिंधुभ्य पतितना पावनेभ्यो वैष्णवभ्यो नमो नमः हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे हरे ओके ग्रेट वंडरफुल ओके विनोद चंदन हैज आल्सो जॉइंड अस वेलकम टू द सेशन सो हाउ मेनी ऑफ यू have a copy of bhagavad gita with you and especially the bhagavad gita as it is written by shila prabhupada because we are going to discuss this bhagavad gita from the bhagavad gita as it is we will be referring this copy of bhagavad gita so how many of you have the copy of bhagavad gita you can type in the comment section and mention your answers great how many of you have read the complete bhagavad gita okay okay samit thakur ji yes we will get a copy those who do not have the copy of bhagavad gita i am going to send the soft copy of the bhagavad gita you can share your email id so that way i will be able to share with all of you the soft copy of the bhagavad gita so how many of you have read the whole complete bhagavad gita okay shrinivas ji has read some part of it listen to the audio of different versions okay great and vinod ji has read partly achutan sir not much okay most people actually have the bhagavad gita but then generally we keep it in the puja room and most of them don't even open it for the whole lifetime but bhagavad gita is so essential each one of us need to have the bhagavad gita copy it's very very important and if you don't have please let me know i'm going to share the soft copy of the bhagavad gita with all of you so that will be really nice so some of you must be thinking okay we are going to discuss this uh, bhagavad gita today but what is the relevance of the bhagavad gita to us because after all the bhagavad gita was spoken to Arjuna 5200 years ago it is quite some time 5200 years ago and uh, the situations were so different the environment was so different at that time Arjuna was in the midst of a battlefield and the war was about to begin and then he is sitting on a chariot so you must be thinking how come the bhagavad gita is applicable to me in my life today because my situations are so different i am not actually going on uh, in a battlefield i am not fighting a battle you must be thinking like that and i am not on a i don't move around in a chariot actually i have my mercedes i have my bmw i may have my toyota or what not so i completely have a different situation so some of you must be thinking how is bhagavad gita relevant to all of us so that is the reason 
it is very important before we actually dive into understanding what is bhagavad gita it is important to know why we have to study bhagavad gita only when we have our why very very strong when we know why we are doing it then how to do it how to study it all that will fall in place many people think that bhagavad gita is for old people and they have this goal oh when i become 60 plus or 70 plus that is when i am going to open the bhagavad gita and i will read the bhagavad gita and they keep uh, that goal for the old age but that time never comes even when they become old so uh, <clears throat> there were uh, there was this person once this person who was standing on a beach and actually he was uh, willing to get inside the water and have some fun playing in the water he stood there on the beach right in the morning at 7 o'clock and until 12 o'clock in the noon he was still standing and he never got into the water so another person was actually looking at him all throughout and then finally he went and asked him why are you standing here on the beach without getting into the water then this person said actually i am waiting for the waves to subside and settle down and then i will get into the water so most people think that there are so many problems in my life right now i want to settle down all those problems i will work out i will engage i will really do all my karma nicely i will settle all the problems then i will study bhagavad gita but you should know that this is never going to happen because krishna says in the bhagavad gita itself that this world this material world is dukhalayam ashashvatam this is the world of misery dukhalaya just like there is himalaya himalaya is the place where all the hima is there hima means snow that is why it's called himalaya we have granthalaya granthalaya is the place where you go and read books there is vidyalaya a school where you go and acquire knowledge so similarly krishna is saying that this whole material world is dukhalaya so if you are thinking that i am going to settle down all my problems i will solve my problems and then peacefully i will read bhagavad gita then it's a wrong idea <laughs> because arjuna was in the middle of the battle in the most tense the situation and our situation is very similar to that although we are not on the battlefield fighting wars and battles with some other opponents we have our own battles within our own mind constantly there are so many temptations and we are fighting against our own temptations so there is a battle that is going on within our mind so that is how bhagavad gita becomes very very important you know when there is heavy rain it is pouring you cannot stop the rain it is not possible for us to stop the rain but what we can do is you can take an umbrella and protect yourself you cannot stop the rain but at least by using an umbrella you can protect yourself so similarly right now we are all bombarded with so many problems we have physical problems we have uh, mental problems we have right now our corona issue that is going on environmental problems we have financial problems we have relationship problems so it is pouring problems this kali yuga is bombarding us with so many problems so in this situation we also need to have that umbrella to protect ourselves that umbrella of the knowledge of the bhagavad gita so this 
knowledge of the Bhagavad Gita will act like umbrella. So although we are in this heavy torrential rain of problems, this will protect us. The knowledge of the Bhagavad Gita will protect us. And that is the reason in this battle of life, it is essential that we acquire this knowledge and we will understand in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna is emphasizing on why we need to acquire this wonderful spiritual knowledge to become truly happy. So, uh, it's going to be a really, really interesting journey and I'm already excited, I'm sure. Uh, and all of you also are very excited about this. And Hemali Mataji is also here. Welcome Mataji, thank you so much for joining. Rayansh is there and Vinod Chandan is also joining. Wonderful, very nice. So by the way, uh, this whole uh, session and uh, today, I want to dedicate it to my spiritual master, His Divine Grace, uh, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Srila Prabhupada, who is the founder Acharya of ISKCON. And uh, he has uh, very painstakingly uh, written Bhagavad Gita, Srimad Bhagavatam and so many other scriptures uh, sacrificing his uh, night's sleep and many more wonderful things that he has contributed to the world so that we will discuss in our future sessions but at the same time as I am speaking to all of you this is for my own purification when we discuss the Bhagavad Gita it is not just beneficial for the listeners it is also beneficial for the speaker. So both are getting benefited. So when we are discussing this, it is beneficial to both the listeners and the speakers. And that is how, that is the beauty of Bhagavad Gita. It is very, very beautiful. So now, before we actually dive into understanding what is Bhagavad Gita, we should understand the overall context of where does this Bhagavad Gita fit into the whole gamut of knowledge that we have. I mean the whole files and files of Vedic knowledge that we have in that whole section what is the position of the Bhagavad Gita. So let us understand the origin of knowledge. How did knowledge actually origin into this creation? So at the beginning of creation when this whole universe was created, created by Lord Vishnu, Mahavishnu, Mahavishnu created, especially Garbodakshay Vishnu created Brahma, Brahma from his navel. So Brahma comes from the navel of Garbodakshay Vishnu and from there Brahma is thinking, where am I? Because he is into this universe and he sees darkness everywhere. That is when Brahma hears three words. Tapa, Tapa, Tapa. He understands that I should do Tapasya. So Brahma sitting on the lotus flower, he starts doing a lot of Tapasya for 1000 demigod years. And after doing Tapasya, that is when Lord Vishnu imparts this transcendental knowledge. The knowledge of the Vedas first to Brahma. The first recipient of the Vedic knowledge is Lord Brahma. So Lord Brahma hears this knowledge from Mahavishnu and understands this whole knowledge of the Vedas and then after gaining this knowledge, he is the secondary architect of this universe. That is when Brahma starts creating and populating the whole universe. So now, the Vedas, 
by the great sages and they wrote their realization that is called smriti and then there is nyaya nyaya means logic so this whole thing of knowledge is called prasthana treya treya because there are three shruti smriti and nyaya why nyaya is important because our vedic knowledge is not some sentimental knowledge it is not some fanatical knowledge it is the knowledge which is absolute so that is why we don't simply accept any knowledge without reasoning and that is not good krishna says in the bhagavad gita tad vidhi pranipatena parikrashnena sevaya upadekshanti te gnanam gnaninas tattvadarshinaha in the fourth chapter krishna is saying that if you want to acquire knowledge tad vidhi pranipatena you should approach a guru you should do pranipata you should accept a guru pariprashnena sevaya and he is saying that you don't accept any guru simply like that you have to pariprashna you have to inquire you have to ask questions and that is a very integral part of acquiring knowledge so our vedic knowledge doesn't impose anything it encourages everyone to ask questions and uh, that way i also ask you in case any time at any point of our discussion if you have any doubts you can feel free to ask me questions you can raise your hands and you can type in the comment section and we will try to respond them and i want to take all the questions actually so now this knowledge shruti shruti is like flour you know atta we use atta so atta we cannot eat directly so you have to make the atta into chapati when you make it into chapati then you can eat it very nicely so shruti the vedas are like that atta raw but smritis are like that chapati so you can actually understand the vedas in the form of a smriti and smriti is all the puranas and itihasas in the form of stories the great acharyas have given the same vedic knowledge the import of the vedic knowledge in the form of stories and that way it becomes very easy for us to understand the vedic knowledge so that is shruti and smriti so what does the shruti tell us the shruti tell us what to do the shruti are all mantras in vedas there is no shloka vedas are all mantra it's all vedic mantra only there is nothing else other than mantras in vedas in shruti so the shruti they tell us what to do but the smritis they tell us how to do and it is very important for us because if you just read vedas it is very difficult especially for the kaliyuga mind like us it is extremely difficult for us to understand and comprehend the vedic knowledge and uh, right now because we don't even have uh, we don't even have the knowledge of the sanskrit we don't have uh, uh, understanding and the grip over the language it is extremely difficult to understand uh, sanskrit even regular uh, reyansi you have any question for me okay so even in a regular even in our regular understanding we see that people who speak do speak sanskrit uh they cannot understand vedic knowledge because the vedic sanskrit is different from the vyavaharik uh, vyavaharik sanskrit so anyway so there is there is shruti there is the smriti and we need to understand shruti and smriti both so this whole thing called vedas are divided into four can anyone tell me which are the four vedas 
what are the four vedas you can unmute yourself if you want to give the answer yes very nice good going there okay both mother and daughter are there so wonderful so we have rigveda we have samaveda then we have yajurveda and atharvaveda so generally it is called trivedi there are only three vedas originally but then later on atharvaveda was introduced when uh, mahavishnu spoke the knowledge of veda to brahma it was originally called only samaveda but then it was divided later into rigveda yajurveda and atharvaveda so these are four vedas so these four vedas completely comprise of 1130 chapters so the vedas all put together rigveda samaveda yajurveda atharvaveda all put together have 1130 chapters and each chapter you take each of the chapter and each chapter is divided again into four it is called the upanishads the brahmanakas the aranyakas and samhitas i repeat that again each chapter is divided into four upanishads which are also called as mantras then second it is called samhitas aranyakas and brahmanakas what are all these different things we will definitely go deeper into another section i am going to share a link with all of you and you can understand this very clearly of the whole the structure of the vedas very soon yes yeah so these are the four sections so now after writing this whole vedic scriptures and all that this four divisions of the vedas were created brahma actually gave this knowledge he transmitted this knowledge to his son narada narada in turn gave this knowledge to vedavyasa and vedavyasa gave this knowledge to madhvacharya and that is how the knowledge of this vedas come in a parampara it was oral reception there was no written nothing was written it was all only oral reception once you hear from the master it gets registered in the mind for lifetime in the ancient days in the olden days there was nothing called as memory chips and memory cards nothing they had such powerful memories that once they hear from the guru the shishya will remember that for lifetime that is the power of the memory that they had so there was no need of writing that time but then vedivyasa once he was actually meditating on the bank of ganga so while he was meditating vedivyasa could see in his meditation oh this people of kaliyuga this people of kaliyuga are mandamataha mandabagya alpa ayu their life span is very less their memory is very less they are very unfortunate they cannot understand this vedic knowledge so for the benefit of the people of kaliyuga vedivyasa he decided that this whole vedic knowledge should be put into writing 
and that is when he called uh, ganesha and then ganesha was appointed as a writer and vedavyasa started dictating this vedic knowledge and vedi uh, ganesha started writing this vedic knowledge and that is when the vedic knowledge was first written so it came into writing so now after writing all these vedas vedavyasa thought actually this vedic knowledge is just not sufficient for these people these people cannot understand so i should actually write the puranas and that is how vedavyasa also started writing puranas and then after puranas he also wrote itihasas the history historical facts then he also composed the brahma sutras or the vedanta sutras because vedas are so huge so what he decided was he wrote formulas he created the small small vedanta sutra sutra means formula so the vedic sutra the vedic knowledge was like a given in a small formula form so that is vedanta sutra and then finally he wrote the shrimad bhagavatam that we will discuss little later so now he also composed a very important scripture and that is mahabharata so after writing all this different composing all this different puranas itihasas upapuranas and all these different things vedavyasa handed over this knowledge to his disciples basically he had a four prominent disciples and uh, palini pailamuni pailamuni was given rigveda jaimini muni was given uh, samaveda atharva veda was given to sumantu and the yajur veda was given to vaishampayana so these four disciples started realizing all the knowledge that was given and after studying all these the disciples came and asked my dear master vedavyasa you have given so much of knowledge now but which is the most important of all these different scriptures what is the best scripture that we should be really referring to and that is when the vedavyasa told his disciples you all discuss among yourselves study cross study and interact and you decide what is the best scripture you come up with the answer although vedavyasa knew the answer but then he told his disciples you please study and then you get back to us and that they all studied and uh, they were uh, diving deeper and deeper into it and after examining all the vedic scriptures all these disciples of vedavyasa unanimously they agreed that mahabharata is the topmost scripture and which can be referred by the people of kaliyuga topmost scripture it is said very beautifully about mahabharata it is said that dharme cha arte cha kame cha mokshe cha bharatarshava yadi hasti tadanyatra yanne hasti natat kochit mahabharata is so beautiful that there is nothing that exists outside of it you take a topic any discussion it is there in bhagavad gita it is there in mahabharata there is nothing in this world which is not there in mahabharata yadi hasti tadanyatra yanne hasti natat kochit and that which is not there in our experience is also there in mahabharata that is how complete the mahabharata is so mahabharata is a very very important scripture and although it is just uh, in the form of stories we should never underestimate mahabharata mahabharata is extremely important and we will understand why it is so because 
there is a very beautiful sloka glorifying Mahabharata. It is said, Mahatvat Bharavatvacha Mahabharata Muchate Niruktamasya Yoveda Sarvapapetra Muchate. It is said that if anybody understands Mahabharata, if you can understand the stories and the purport of Mahabharata, all our papas will become purified. We will become purified from all our sinful activities and reactions. That is how purifying this whole scripture is. Now, the very interesting point here is, in this Mahabharata, which is considered to be the topmost now, not by us, by the disciples of uh, Vedivyasa and Vedavyasa himself, these Mahabharata has 18 Parvas and in one of the Parva called Bhishma Parva of Mahabharata it is the 6th Parva Bhishma Parva there is the Bhagavad Gita the 18 chapters of the Bhagavad Gita is the part of Mahabharata so we should know the subject matter that we are discussing today and we are going to enter that is Bhagavad Gita is actually a part of Mahabharata. So this is very very important. And when we want to understand Bhagavad Gita, it is very important to know the context because the very first chapter begins from the speaking of Dhritarashtra and it is all about the battlefield. It is very very important to understand the context of the Bhagavad Gita and the context is it is actually connected and is a part of Mahabharata. So 18 chapters of the Bhishma Parva is actually the Mahabharata of this Bhagavad Gita. So it is very important. Now what is this Bhagavad Gita? What is this Bhagavad Gita? We just now understood that there are so many Upanishads, isn't it? And very beautifully Gita Mahatmya says, Sarvo Punishado Gao Dogta Gopala Nandanaha Pato Vasta Sudhir Bhokta Dugdam Amritam Bhat. It is said, Sarvo Punishado Gao. There are so many Upanishads, 1130 Upanishads, and the essence, Sarvo Punishado Gao. This essence or the whole 1130 Upanishads when they are milked by whom? Dokta Gopalanandana The milkman Who is the coward boy here? Our own dear Krishna So this dear Krishna He is an expert coward boy We know that he took birth only in a coward family And he is very very expert in milking the cows so this dear Krishna is very expert in milking the Upanishads also. So when this Krishna milks the Upanishads, that is when the nectar comes and generally who gets to enjoy the milk of a cow first? The calf. The calf is the first priority. The milk of the cow is first given to the calf. So here the milk of the Upanishads, the essence of the Upanishads is first given by Gopala Krishna to Arjuna. Pato Vatsa Sudhir Bhokta. So Arjuna is the first recipient of this essence 
and Sudhir Bhokta. After the cup drinks, then everybody else will get the remaining milk. So we are all getting the remnants of Arjuna. Dukta Gita Amritam Mahat. So this Amrita, when it is nicely milked by Gopala Krishna, this Upanishads, we get something called as Gita Upanishad. So another name for Bhagavad Gita is also Gita Upanishad. It is also called Upanishad, Gita Upanishad. It is very nicely milked by Krishna. So now this Gita Upanishad, 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 Upa means close, Nishad means to sit down and listen. It's called Gita Upanishad or Upanishad. We call her Upavasa. Upavasa means you stay close. Upa means close, Vasa means stay close. Stay close to what? Stay close to the Supreme Lord. On the day of Ekadashi, when people fast, many people think that Upavasa means fasting from food, grain and food. That is not the only meaning of Upavasa. Upavasa also means we have to stay closer to the God on these days of Ekadashi and many other Vratas that we do. So Upanishad means to stay close to the Lord, sit down under the spiritual master, at the feet of spiritual master and listen. So this is what is Gita Upanishad. So we are getting the essence of all the Vedas. So, so fortunate we are. Actually we are not discussing something ordinary. This is so wonderful. We are getting the essence of all the Vedas. Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, Vedishya Sarvair Ahameva Vedya Vedanta Krit Veda Chaham Vedanta Krit Veda Vit Veda Yehev Chaham He is saying that after studying all the Vedas, essence is to know me, oh dear Arjuna. That is what he is saying. And that essence is giving by milking this Upanishad in the form of Bhagavad Gita. So it's a very very important subject. When we take all these uh, Upanishads, there are prominent 108 Upanishads available today. All the other Upanishads are gone. We don't find all the Upanishads today. What we have right now present is just 108 Upanishads. Unfortunately, uh, our India is being constantly bombarded with so many invaders. And when Alexander came, uh, he burnt the universities of Takshashila and then Nalanda University was burnt just to keep themselves warm. So, so many books were burnt and the books were burning for six months. So, a lot of our knowledge has been lost. What we have, all this basic knowledge, what 1130 chapters, hardly anything we have, nothing is remaining right now. But at least we are fortunate that we have this Bhagavad Gita and we can access this Bhagavad Gita and understand Bhagavad Gita, which is enough for us actually. This one book, Bhagavad Gita, is enough for us to purify us and we can attain the supreme topmost goal in our life just by this one book. There is no need of any other book, just this one Bhagavad Gita is enough. That is how powerful it is. It can change our perception. It is a very paradigm shifting knowledge that we are going to get in Bhagavad Gita. It is very amazing. So this 108 Upanishads, they are considered to be like flowers. And when these flowers are all put together, and it is made into a garland and that garland is this Bhagavad Gita. The garland of Upanishads is actually this Bhagavad Gita. Very very important. So that is what we are getting. So purifying it is. It is said by the great Acharyas like Madhvacharya 
they say that when uh, you know the samudra mantan happened you all are aware of samudra mantan there was the churning of uh, samudra mantan between the devatas and the uh, the demons and uh, while the churning was happening from the ocean so many different things were coming up so very beautifully with this analogy madhvacharya explains that when the heart of vedavyasa the heart of vedavyasa is considered to be like a ocean and when this heart of vedavyasa is churned by the mountain of compassion out of compassion for the people of kaliyuga actually vedavyasa wrote all this he compiled all this very knowledge for us so with that mountain the mandara mountain was used that time so here vedavyasa with this mountain of compassion when he churned the vedas came out just like lakshmi came out there the vedas came out here and the vedas finally is nothing but representing lakshmi devi only and when they continued to churn then the puranas came out of out of his heart the puranas are considered to be chandra chandra also came out during the samudra mantana and when you further churn the heart of vedavyasa then there is this uh, pot of nectar you know the pot of nectar came during the uh, samudra mantana so that pot of nectar is the vedanta sutras and further when you churn the heart of vedavyasa what came out the parijata flowers the tree the parijata tree with fragrant flowers and that fragrant parijata is nothing but mahabharata mahabharata is considered to be the parijata of all the vedic knowledge and then in that parijata when you churn the heart of vedavyasa there came the madhu the honey that parijata flower has that nectar that honey inside so this mahabharata within which is considered to be the parijata has the nectar has the honey called bhagavad gita and that is what we are actually getting we are getting the essence of the essence called the bhagavad gita so when we discuss bhagavad gita when we read bhagavad gita when we have discussion on all this bhagavad gita it is actually taking honey and doing abhishekam it's like doing abhishekam to lord krishna so reading bhagavad gita is actually doing abhishekam by honey to krishna so that is how beautiful it is so this is what uh, madhvacharya explains very beautifully by the way tell me all of you you all agree that ganga is very very pure you can type in the comment section is ganga pure all of you agree you can raise your hands also yes we all agree that absolutely so ganga is extremely pure and where does ganga come from any idea where does ganga come from what is the origin of ganga where do you think <laughs> himalayas you know this shiva's head you said yeah okay that is uh, also correct but not complete although it is correct but not complete it is true if you look at the picture of shiva the water is flowing from shiva's head 
But if you carefully look at the picture, the water is coming from somewhere else, coming and dropping onto his head, and from his head it is flowing down. <laughs> Glaciers. <laughs> Very nice. I think the sons of uh, Himali Mataji are giving some wonderful answers here. <laughs> okay. You all know this uh, beautiful uh, incarnation of Lord Vishnu called Vamandev. And when Vamana came, he asked for three steps from Bali Maharaj. And then Bali said, uh, yes, you take three steps. You are such a small boy. Take three steps. More, you take more also. No, 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 he said, I want only three steps. And then when Vamana extended, one step he covered all the Patala Lokas and the whole universal, this thing. And with the second, he completely covered the space. And when he actually raised his leg, Vamandev raised his leg, his toe, Lord Vamana's toe, pierced the universe, the Brahmanda. By the way, Brahmanda, why do we call it as Brahmanda? The universe is called Brahmanda because it's in the form of egg. That's why it's called Brahmanda. Why it is called Brahmanda? Because the manager of this Anda is Brahma. Our uh, Brahmanda is managed by Chaturmukhi Brahma. He has four heads. That is why it is called uh, Brahmanda. So now when the toe of Lord Vishnu, Vamandev, pierced the external surface of the Brahmanda, what happened was there was that hole and through that all the Garbodaka, the causal ocean, the water from the causal ocean, Karna ocean started flowing down into the universe. So the causal ocean is the ocean where Mahavishnu resides. And all that water was gushing through the universe and it was really, really, really very ferocious. In the sense it was turbulent and uh, since it was touching the lotus feet, the toe of Vamandev and it was flowing down, it became very pure. The water became very pure because it is touching the feet of uh, Vamandev and that's why Ganga is very pure. So, but the force was so much of the water, Lord Shiva was assigned to control it. That is when Lord Shiva sat in meditation and he took all that force onto his head and then minimizing the force he slowly leaves it to us just imagine if that force comes and hits the earth earth would be smashed so that is why Shiva takes that force of uh, the water so now why did I mention this is because Ganga is pure because it is actually coming from the lotus feet or the toe of Lord Vishnu you know, it is coming from the toe, it is touching the toe of Lord Vishnu and it is so pure. Bhagavad Gita is coming from the lips of Krishna. It is even more pure. It is a song of God, directly spoken by Krishna. How beautiful it is. It is extremely pure. So what we are dealing with is not an ordinary thing. It is a very very pure subject matter and absolute subject matter. It is very beautiful. So at this point of time, before I proceed to the next section, I want to ask all of you, is there any question that you have? Do you have any question? Because since we have discussed few things, do you have any questions? 
you can type in or you can just unmute yourself and you can directly ask Yes, we know. We will have a recording. I am already recording it, and I will post this very soon, and I will share the link with all of you. Uh, please share your email IDs. Those who have not done, please share your email IDs. Then I can share with all of you. Or you can also give your numbers so that it will be very easy for me. Absolutely, I completely understand. At the very first instance, uh, it is very difficult to understand all this. We definitely need a lot of. Uh, Uh, rehearing about this bhagavad gita and that way it becomes easy for us to understand so i am definitely recording it and i'll make it available okay so now after understanding the purity of bhagavad gita and the position of the bhagavad gita i want to also make you very clear that what we are discussing is not some mythological subject matter many people think that mahabharata is some mythological story it is not mythology it is a historical thing and it is not i who is saying this ved vyasa is actually giving us this disclaimer just like when you are watching a movie when you go to a movie theater just before the movie starts you know there is a disclaimer all the characters shown in this movie are fictional and nothing but fictional they are all imaginary we get this uh, disclaimer isn't it when you are watching some tv shows also before the serial begins there is a disclaimer saying that uh, jo bhi uh, ek sab kalpanik hai aur it's all imaginary they put that disclaimer here after knowing that it is fictional knowing that it is not true it is an imagination of our uh, human mind we still get so absorbed in watching the movies and serials and with full faith with investing our full faith into the serials and uh, movies we watch them although it is fictional here ved vyasa is saying to all of us सत्यम सत्यम पुनस्तम उद्धृत्य भुजमुच्यते वेदशास्त्रात् परम नास्ति न दैवम केशवात् परम वेदव्यास द ऑथर द कंपाइलर ऑफ ऑल द वेदास इज सेइंग दैट सत्यम व्हाट आई एम स्पीकिंग टू यू इज सत्यम इट इज ट्रुथ एंड नथिंग बट ट्रुथ ऑल द कैरेक्टर्स आई एम मेंशनिंग इन माय स्क्रिप्चर्स आर हिस्टोरिकल फैक्ट्स they are not mythological characters all the characters mentioned in the vedas are truth they are all truly existing historical characters satyam again is saying satyam all the situations i have mentioned in the puranas and the scriptures all the different situations are also satyam they are also absolute truth there is no imagination there they are not mythological but now you will be wondering okay satyam satyam punas satyam vedivasa is saying and repeating it for the third time what does that mean so vedivasa is saying that not just the characters are truth not just the situations are truth but all 
situations which I am which I have been mentioned in the scriptures are also the situations of our own lives. If we analyze our own families, am I audible to all of you? Uh, you can mention in the comment section. Am I audible to all of you? You can just say yes because that way uh, it'll be easy. Okay, great. So okay, great. Okay. Good, good. Just in case, if you have uh, some disconnection, uh, okay, great, wonderful, very nice. So I'm audible to all of you. Great. So then, here is a very important point that Vedavyasa has, uh, you know, he has no other uh, duty uh, to speak anything other than truth. He is not uh, lying to us or is not creating some imaginary characters and writing some fiction for us. He is actually talking real situations so that we can deal with our own real uh, lifetime problems. It's very very important. So, it is not an imagination. They are not mythological characters. It is all factual. So, what we are discussing about Bhagavad Gita is all going to be factual and it is absolute in nature. So, with this understanding, I want to share some statistics about Bhagavad Gita. So now let us get into the Bhagavad Gita and understand what does this Bhagavad Gita talks about? What is it all about? Bhagavad Gita has five subject matters for discussion. The five subjects discussed in the whole Bhagavad Gita is Ishwara, that is the Supreme Lord, God, Jiva, Jiva is the spirit soul, Atma, we all of us. Then there is Karma, the actions. Then there is Prakriti, the nature and environment around us. And then Kala, time. So these are the five things, subject matters of the Bhagavad Gita. Ishvara, Jiva, Prakriti, Karma, Kala and it's all a combination of these five subjects is what is Bhagavad Gita and there is no such question that you have which Bhagavad Gita cannot explain or give an answer to you Bhagavad Gita has all the answers for all the situations and all the problems in our life so that is how Bhagavad Gita is so important just like when you take a new mobile or any gadget, the new mobile and a gadget, it comes with a manual. And you read the manual before using the gadget. It is not that you start using the gadget and you start you mess up with the whole gadget and then you read the manual. That is not the time to read the manual. We should read the manual before using. So similarly, when the Lord has created this whole universe, He has created us. He has also created manual called the Vedas and now the essence of essence that is the Bhagavad Gita is the manual for us for the people of Kali Yuga. We have to read this manual and understand how to operate this mind body system so that we can attain the highest goal of human form. But most unfortunate thing is 
we are simply doing whatever we want in our life without caring for the manual and we are trying to press this button and that button and trying to be happy and we are not happy we are thinking that okay all right probably my education will give me knowledge and happiness i'm thinking that money will give me happiness i'm thinking that my wife and children will give me happiness but the ultimate absolute happiness is still not there we are still hankering for the true knowledge why because we have to refer we have not referred the bhagavad gita so at least now at least now it is a good opportunity for all of us to open bhagavad gita and start reading this manual start reading this manual it's very very important so this bhagavad gita this manual that we have has 18 chapters this manual has an 18 chapters okay let me ask the question to all of you i think it's interesting if i have this folder let me create a quick Just give me a second, and uh, I want to. Uh... Okay. There are eighteen chapters in the Bhagavad Gita, and Bhagavad Gita is called Yoga Shastra. Why it is called Yoga Shastra? Because all throughout Bhagavad Gita, almost twenty percent of the shlokas in the Bhagavad Gita. are talking about yoga and when we talk about yoga yoga doesn't mean that you know the conventional understanding of yoga is that it's about some uh, asanas and body build uh, body postures and all that but uh, that is a conventional understanding that is not yoga yoga means to connect to link Okay, I'm giving some options to all of you now. Let me see how many of you will give the right answer. Okay. <clears throat> And then here goes the question to all of you. I have created a poll, and that poll is uh, visible to you right now. And Are you able to look at the poll? I have asked a question, and I want all your answers now. The question is: How many shlokas are there in the Bhagavad Gita? And your time starts now. You can choose one of the options, and you can give your answers. Uh, if you are not able to find the poll, you see that the bottom. there is this uh button with three dots click that button with three dots and there you will see an option called polling and the polling will give you an answer okay it will give you the options you can click that so this uh, bhagavad gita is called yoga shastra because almost 20% of the shlokas are uh, talking about yoga so yoga means to link link between what link between the jivatma and the parmatma 
the spirit soul and the supreme spirit soul that that is krishna so that is called yoga so that is why krishna is talking about karma yoga about jnana yoga about sankhya yoga about bhakti yoga and we will understand all these different types of yogas in our study it's going to be very interesting it's going to have a we are going to have a, a intellectual uh, churning and we'll have an intellectual exercise every sunday it's going to really churn your intellect and knowledge <laughs> okay uh, i see that some of you have still not taken the poll i want all of you to reply okay great so look at the poll and uh, answer there are okay now i have got the result <laughs> okay the so sum of you have said 702 and uh, 700 some of you have already given the answer okay so the right answer is bhagavad gita has 800 sorry not 800 700 shlokas 18 chapters so the bhagavad gita has 700 shlokas all put together and uh, out of these 700 shlokas 575 shlokas are spoken by lord krishna 575 shlokas 83 shlokas are spoken by arjuna 41 shlokas are spoken by sandeya and the very first shloka and one and only shloka is spoken by dhritarashtra so all put together there are 700 shlokas so 575 by krishna 83 by arjuna 41 by sanjaya and 1 by dhritarashtra and if you see out of these 700 shlokas 125 verses 125 verses are not spoken by krishna just because they are not spoken by krishna does it mean that uh, we should not call it bhagavad gita many people say oh there are 125 shlokas which are not spoken by krishna then why we are calling that it is spoken by krishna why this why it should be called as bhagavad gita it is because all these 125 shlokas spoken by dhritarashtra sanjaya and arjuna they build a context they create a context for the wonderful knowledge that krishna is sharing so that is why when we understand the scriptures when we understand the bhagavad gita we should not try to understand out of context any subject matter especially when we are dealing with shastras it also always should be taken within the context in the context extremely important point we should never take out of context and uh, try to understand shastras always there are boundaries that's why shruti is very important okay now let me ask a question to all of you i said that there is shruti and there is smriti the vedas are discussed like shruti and smriti shruti is directly coming from god and smriti is the realized knowledge of the sages tell me one thing bhagavad gita is shruti or smriti bhagavad gita is shruti or is it smriti you can type in the comment section or you can also unmute and you can say your answer So Bhagavad Gita is it Shruti or is it Smriti? 
Okay, great. Achyutan sir saying it is Shruti and Vinod also said direct from God and that is Shruti. Samir Thakurji also said Shruti. Vinodji also said yes, it is Shruti. Okay, Mridulji, what about you? Hemali Mataji, waiting for your answer. So, is it Shruti or is it Smriti? Srinivas Okay, so it is Smriti. That is what uh, Sunita Mataji is saying. Think, think, think. Good, good, you are all thinking now. It's going to be an intellectual exercise as I told you. Yes, yes, go ahead. Okay, so Srinivas Madhaliji sir is saying Smriti as it is distilled from the Vedas. Okay. So here, Bhagavad Gita is Shruti within Smriti. It is Shruti within Smriti. Because Mahabharata is a Smriti, but within the Smriti of Mahabharata, it is Shruti. Because why it is Shruti? Because directly spoken by the Lord Himself. Because it is spoken by Krishna directly, it is Shruti within Smriti. So, it is in one sense both Shruti and Smriti, but we will take it as Shruti also. It is very important. You know why Vedavyasa did this? Vedavyasa very intelligently sandwiched Shruti within the Smriti. Because he knew that people of Kaliuga, if you just tell them read Bhagavad Gita, they will not read. So that is why people will be interested in stories. So through indulging, making them, attracting them and alluring them to read Mahabharata, he tricked them to read Bhagavad Gita also. So while they are reading Mahabharata, they will also go through the Bhagavad Gita. So that is how intelligently Vedivyasa has inserted the Shruti within the Smriti. So very very interesting point it is. Now, out of these 18 chapters and 700 shlokas of the Bhagavad Gita, the first six chapters of the Bhagavad Gita deal with yogas, different type of yogas. And we are going to discuss in detail about the Karma Yoga, Jnana Yoga, Sangha Yoga. So all these first six chapters, they talk about the different yoga systems. The middle six chapters, that is chapter from 7 to 12, these middle six chapters, they talk about exclusively only about Bhakti Yoga. It is all about Bhakti Yoga. And then, the last six chapters of the Bhagavad Gita, 13th chapter to the 18th chapter, they discuss about the Prakriti and our interaction of matter and spirit and all those things, technicalities. So that is how the Bhagavad Gita is divided into three sections of six chapters, six chapters and six chapters. So first six chapters all about yoga, different yogas. The middle six chapters talk about the Bhakti Yoga exclusively and then 
there is the last six chapters which deal with prakriti and the interaction of spirit and matter so that is very very important the three modes like sattva guna rajoguna tamoguna all this discussion will come in the final six chapters of the bhagavad gita it is very beautifully explained that this bhagavad gita actually is non different from krishna it is very much krishna itself krishna himself is in the form of bhagavad gita the first five chapters of the bhagavad gita are considered to be the five phases of the universal form vishwarupa the first five chapters represent the wish the five phases of the vishwarupa the next 10 chapters represent the 10 hands of the vishwarupa of krishna and the next chapter one chapter represents the nabi the 16 chapter represents the nabi of krishna of the universal form and the final two chapters they represent the feet of the vishwarupa the 17th and the 18th chapter so that is how the bhagavad gita is non different from lord krishna himself the universal form so it is we are directly contacting krishna when we are dealing with bhagavad gita we are directly coming in contact with krishna there is no difference there is absolute they are both are absolute so very very interesting so what are the benefits now before we actually dive into the subject from next sunday onwards we are going to start the first chapter of the bhagavad gita but i really want to mention here the benefits of understanding bhagavad gita we are not going to read bhagavad gita we are going to study bhagavad gita once shila prabhupad and uh, uh, he was there uh, uh, very nicely uh, uh, in one of the i don't remember which temple but shila prabhupad was discussing with some of his uh, disciples and he asked one of his disciples are you studying the bhagavad gita then the disciple replied yes prabhupad i am reading bhagavad gita prabhupad asked him again are you studying bhagavad gita he said yes i am reading bhagavad gita so prabhupad asked him again are you studying bhagavad gita so he was confused why is prabhupad asking me again and again he said yes prabhupad actually i am reading bhagavad gita then prabhupad said don't you understand the difference between reading and studying reading means reading like newspaper when you read newspapers it is reading but when you read when you take your academic books that is called studying so bhagavad gita we are not going to read like newspapers we are actually going to study bhagavad gita we are not going to read bhagavad gita it's going to be in depth study and it's going to reveal lot of things to all of us by reading bhagavad gita papa pramuchyate all the sins within our heart this knowledge of the bhagavad gita will purify our consciousness this knowledge of the bhagavad gita will purify our consciousness it's going to be very very interesting so before i let you all go is there any question that you all have for me do you have any questions for me before we end this because we have discussed today uh, the importance of uh, the relevance of bhagavad gita we have discussed the position of the bhagavad gita with respect to the complete vedic knowledge we understood what is shruti and smriti we understood how beautiful and purifying the bhagavad gita is few statistics of bhagavad gita we have discussed yes shrinivas ji uh, how many verses are there in the bhagavad gita 
Yes, good question. But uh, I really don't know as of now. It all depends on how uh, how much deep you want to go. I mean, we can always discuss uh, Bhagavad Gita at different levels. Uh, so you tell me if there is uh, anything that you want to say, you want to really uh, uh, cover this Bhagavad Gita in a certain fixed time, we can actually do that. Okay, so I would say that uh, definitely it's not going to be a chapter per week because we are going to uh, uh, dive into each sloka in detail and uh, it is going to definitely uh, take not less than one and a half year at least. <laughs> so, I know it's a... That's fine, that's fine. And it's a good investment. Uh, I'm telling you this is the investment of your time. Why I'm saying investment is because you're not going to spend time here. Actually, you're investing time in your own, uh, uh, developing your own consciousness. And that is how uh, it is going to really help. And we can definitely cover Bhagavad Gita in a short time also. But uh, I think we'll not be doing justice to the shlokas and the knowledge of the Bhagavad Gita if we just uh, go through it. It is really very important to uh, analyze uh, why Krishna is asking uh, certain questions and why Arjuna is asking certain questions, why Krishna is telling it in a certain way and when we analyze uh, with different angles, when we study a particular uh, shloka with different angles, that will give us a very beautiful understanding and uh, when we face those situations in our own life, it makes it very clear, you can crystal clear, you can look at a situation and pinpoint it, you can say this is the cause of this particular problem. And we want to come to that stage where we understand every situation as it is. We should know that moment you come across the situation, this knowledge will help you. Yes, this is the root cause. So when we look at the Bhagavad Gita in that context, then it will be really good. So let's see, I am at least uh, hoping uh, to take this journey for at least one and a half years. Uh, Krishna willing, Prabhupada willing. We should really uh, pray to Bhagavad Gita. Uh, and uh, seek the blessings of the Bhagavad Gita to reveal itself to us so that we understand it much better. So uh, that is how I was thinking. It will definitely take some time. <laughs> so uh, are there any, uh, any more questions? Anything that you want to ask? You, it can be anything related to Bhagavad Gita or anything that you want to uh, clarify. I think that would be nice if you can. Uh, we can open up for some questions. Thank you, Achyutan, sir. I think that would be great and uh, that way we will be able to uh, uh, really understand it in depth and uh, it will be very beneficial. Yes, sir. Okay. Okay, uh, since some of uh, you must be working from home and uh, people are also working on weekdays, uh, we need to really uh, see if everybody uh, can do that uh, in the sense. Uh, oh, we can uh, Okay, so. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah, I understand. Ah, uh, by the way, uh, one very important thing that uh, although we have a gap of one week now uh, from session to session, uh, this time you can utilize in reading the Bhagavad Gita so that you are also aware as we are discussing the points and you are also reading, so that will also trigger a lot of questions and you have something to uh, ask. So that way it will be great. So during the week you can also read the Bhagavad Gita. And uh, I should mention that I have uh, another uh, platform where I'm doing some live sessions called Castbox. Castbox I was doing earlier on Open Box, uh, Open Talk. Shrinivas uh, was also part of it for some time, but uh, it unfortunately got closed. Uh, so because it got closed, then I had to move from another to another platform. So Castbox is a very nice platform where I'm doing some sessions. I will share the link of that also. So during the week, I am conducting three sessions and I will share some links of already existing sessions. That way you can go through them and you can listen to those talks as well. So that will give you much more clarity. And you can keep yourself busy. Yeah, I will share the links. And if you have not shared your numbers and email ID, you can share. That way it will be easy for me to share all the details with you. Great, wonderful. So, uh, I wanted to do the chanting of Hare Krishna Mantra one round, but since it's already 12.30, uh, we will uh, do the chanting of one round of Hare Krishna Mantra from next week onwards. And during this uh, one week, uh, we can all read the Bhagavad Gita and I'm going to share the Bhagavad Gita soft copy, those who don't have. And uh, you can read a portion of it and next week when we meet, we will uh, dive into the first chapter and we will start discussing the very, very first shloka and the very first shloka is so wonderful. It creates a wonderful scene for all of us and uh, it creates a wonderful, beautiful context to understand the Bhagavad Gita. It is uh, only shloka which is spoken by Dhritarashtra and we will understand the intentions of uh, Dhritarashtra in this very first shloka and uh, that will really uh, reveal a lot of things for us. Okay. Yes. Definitely, I have the recording and I'm going to share this with all of you. Very good. Thank you. And uh, I will, yes, definitely. Thank you so much. And uh, uh, yes, uh, you can keep uh, yourself busy uh, the, for the next one week with the reading the Bhagavad Gita. And we will see you again, uh, same time and same me. And uh, we will see you again at. Uh, Sunita Mata, do you have something to say? Okay. Uh, all right. All right. So great. So we will see you again uh, next week, and uh, same time we will start discussing the very first chapter, the first loka. It's going to be very interesting. So hope you all enjoyed. Uh, so take care. Be safe. Hare Krishna.